Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frizz Breeze with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Randy? I'm doing fabulous. You know, what's really cool is that I know that you, not too long ago, got invited to New York City as an all-star invitee. How did that go? God, it was so much fun. I can't tell you how amazing that was. We jammed Wednesday night, Thursday night. Friday night and Saturday, most of the day. The only bummer was that it was about 96 the entire time. But what that made happen was the cuffing game was on fire. Oh, my God. (laughs) All you can eat cuff, huh? All I could eat cuff. By the end of it, other people were doing cuffs, too. People were learning some of my tricks. So it was pretty awesome. Oh, nice. Way to leave the Jake imprint. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Congratulations on getting to go there that's really quite an opportunity and uh i'm glad i'm glad they selected you as well well deserved in my opinion thank you very much yes yes all right well hey you know we have a another episode today and we are going to continue our conversation with the v bros enjoy you know 1976 was the first year they had nas tournaments and there was a whole qualification t- uh process so that was really what really really helped the growth of frisbee not not just freestyle but you know all the events just frisbee in general everybody you know realized hey if i could garner enough points going to these tournaments i'll get a free ride to california go to the world championships i mean who wouldn't want to do that so that's really why what really increased the popularity of of frisbee at that point and just to go back to uh erwin and i playing together for the first time that was not my first tournament. Erwin was still in high school, and I had not gone back to Glassboro, so I was working. In March of that year, I believe, um, the Humbly's Magnificent Champions of the Universe uh, Club in Michigan uh, ran a tournament, an indoor tournament, and I went, and I think they had uh, uh, distance and freestyle there. And lo and behold, that's when I think that's the first time that Craig Vansickle unleashed his turnaround. It was pretty awesome. And I, I believe he won uh, indoor distance there. Anyway, you know, I went there and so I had to find a partner. And believe it or not, my partner was Richie Smiths. And we played with a CPI all-star. Nobody knew who we were. And we were in this uh, um, pool I think Joe Cahow was in it and some other, you know, well-known players. And we go out there and we play and, and nothing magnificent, but we were definitely good enough to advance, but we did it because nobody knew who we were. So, Jens, your first partner was Richie Smiths? That's right. Wow. And Richie Smiths, boy, he had the nail to lay down. I mean, it, it was crazy because people were like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? It was funny. When I think about it now, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. But yeah, we were kind of bummed that we didn't advance because we felt like we should have advanced. But, you know, that's that's how Frisbee was back then. You know, if you were like nobody knew you, you know, it, it's kind of uh, um, wasn't fair. But, you know, we all we all live through these things. Right. Yeah. And you know what, Jens, it hasn't changed. <laughs> it's still the same. But yeah, that was my uh, first uh, 
my first tournament and it was with Richie Smith's. Cool. So when did you guys learn the nail delay? When did that come about? You know, the new, I, I think the first time I ever saw somebody nail delay was probably Kerry Colmar or, or uh, Peter Blurm at that tournament. And by the end of that tournament, I'd say everybody was doing it who was at that tournament. And not just, you know, the next year. That was one of the great things about the 76 season, the 77 season, the 78 season. They had all these NAS tournaments. And every time you went to a tournament, you'd see all kinds of new moves, different variations. And that's why you went because you play with other people. Now, back then, you know, you didn't have the mob ops that you have today where heavy Z's and close proximity. You know, most of the, um, I don't really want to call a mob ops when you collaborate with other other guys playing. It was really no more than three guys you, you'd play and, and you wouldn't play so close together back then. But um, uh, getting back to the NAS format, I mean, it was so exciting, you know, week after week or, you know, month after month, you go to these tournaments and you'd see the same people or new people and you, and you just added to your repertoire of, of new moves. You saw something new all the time. Erwin, you might want to chime in on this. You know, back then, you know, I just want to touch on something um, now that, you know, it's 40 uh, years later and, and I've got to see, see a lot of different uh, generations and not only freestyle, but the whole disc sports, the, the whole umbrella of all the sports. And where it has come and where we are, yeah, we could say uh, this or that in a negative um, mindset where we wish it was here instead of there. You know what I mean? But retrospect, all the organizations like the uh, Ultimate Association, Freestyle Player Association, and all of the uh, different disc sports, they're probably stronger than they ever have been ever. And that's an awesome thing to see, you know. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that I that I get out of all this and looking back at it is I heard James Wiseman say that uh, back in the 70s and 60s, you know, when it first started, you know, in 70s or even in the 80s was the uh, the golden the golden age. You know how they say the golden age of uh, Hollywood. I heard James James Wiseman say that once, and I, I kind of agree with that and and i feel blessed that i was able to see uh i wasn't at the beginning but i, I was there be able to see firsthand kirkland malferrante uh westerfield joe Cahow, and all these different people at the beginnings of when tipping started and uh nail delay and the the first mind-blowing body roll going in your arm down your chest down the arm and then catching it with control in your other hand to see that for the first time and to see all those things for the first time was just an awesome thing for me to be able to re reflect back. Man, I was there in that beginning, you know. And then to have won world championships in four different decades, you know, I I've got to see a little bit, you know. And I got to really be able to just like, wow, you know, I, I, I was part of that in the very beginning and then through the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And, I, you know, and it was just an awesome thing. And I'm not saying, you know, I hate when I hear uh, NBA players and they say, oh, my my era was the best. Or the NFL players, well, our, my guys were the best. We, you know, we were the best. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I'm just saying I feel blessed that I was able to see the beginnings and then the 80s and then the 90s and, and to see where it is now. Uh, freestyle right now, you know, I'm sure if you pick a lot of different uh, players, you know, that go back from the 70s or 80s you're going to get a lot of different opinions but i like where freestyles out now right now you know 
the players that are happening now in Europe and uh, and, and, in the, and the United States, uh, you know, all over the world, I mean, it, freestyle is, is a great place right now. I think we're going to see an emergence again uh, as the FPA gets stronger. I just wanted to throw that out there that, that I, I love what I'm seeing, you know, uh, with, with a lot of the stronger players of today. Uh, and I think it's going to evolve into a new, more of a meld of the control game or the the presentation combining with the difficulty i believe uh with all the different segments you've been doing lately i believe there can be a nice marriage i really have a firm belief in my mind that there can be a good marriage of difficulty presentation and flow i really believe it could be married together I, I agree. And it's really actually, Erwin, it's really nice to hear you talk about the 80s to now and how the 80s were the golden era, but it was the golden era of invention. It wasn't just the golden era of like great play. It was just right. that's when things were all happening. So it was, yeah, there was yeah. much more magic associated with it with the people that you played with. So now there isn't as much invention. So when something new does come up, it really is like, whoa. But back then, everything was new, like the body roll and the back roll and the delay, and then starting to combine it into consecutivity and all of that. So less invention started happening and more creativity with maybe musicality and and putting the music into play. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. And uh, what I think I found uh, for me, in my in my opinion, what really was awesome back then was a lot of players had their own individuality, like Donnie Rhodes. You know, Donnie Rhodes was Donnie Rhodes. Davin David was Evan David. I mean, you could take a same body role, and each one of those players would do it, but it would have their own stamp on it. So one thing that I find interesting from what you guys are talking about is how when you were in Peru and you were practicing, that you were thinking so much about the crowds, like you wanted to do the best looking under the leg and get people really involved. When I was learning, that's not something that I really thought about. I just thought about learning the tricks, and the crowd was secondary. Yeah, that's that's interesting you bring that up, uh, Jake, because, uh, you know, just like any other freestyler, man, we, all freestylers spend any, many lonely hours in their backyard or in their house doing moves, right? Well, when we were in Peru, you know, the, the best place to play was, like, in a big open space, and we just found that every town in Peru has what's called the Plaza de Armas, it's like a town square. Every single town, no matter how small it is, they have a town square. And that inevitably turned out to be the like the best uh, sweet spot to play in. And, you know, there's always people there. And it just, it just happened, you know, that we would play, a crowd would gather. And, and, you know, when people are watching, you know, things happen. And you start thinking about, all right, what works? Uh, how does the crowd react? So you have no, no choice to, but to become a performer. You know, yeah, you guys were really you had a musicality to you that really separated. Uh, also, your technical skills were above and beyond, but you guys really embraced the music. Can you guys talk a little bit about how when did the music start coming in and being a partner along with you? Well, <clears throat> I'll start off, Jens, and you could uh, chime in. But um, I don't really know when it happened i i just know what triggered it when jens and i became world champ freestyle champs and that's when things really started happening uh, as far as uh putting us on the map uh we you know we were on wide world of sports uh sports spectacular 
we are getting uh, Frisbee shows coming in from all over the place. You know, they want us to perform. We started performing in malls, school bar, mitzvahs. I, I mean, we did everything. And uh, what we found ourselves is being challenged with, you know, when if you're doing a show, you can't be doing a show unless you have an audience. So if you have that audience, you're either going to make an impression on them, hopefully a good one, but you only have like maybe 30 seconds to 60 seconds to capture them. So we found that we not only have to be in great shape, we want to be looking our best, but we want to be have great apparel, whether you call it costumes or whatever you want to call it, but you want to be looking like a performer or an artist, whatever you feel is the word for yourselves. So we wanted to look like artists. Before we even pick up a Frisbee and do a trick, we wanted people as they were walking by and saying in a mall, like, oh, wow, who are these guys? We um, started fashioning ourselves a wearing Frisbee garb to, to, that makes us stand out. And that's when we started uh, not only that, but putting um, music together and co-ops together that uh, was not only flashy, but was going to be appealing to an audience. And that's where it started. Maybe, Jens, you know where, when it started. Yeah, Irwin's right. The the presentation uh, factor came first before the music. In late 1979, we had an opportunity to go to Japan and perform in between uh, professional tennis matches for women. And we both thought to ourselves, you know what? We can't go out there in shorts and look like, you know, not to put down people who play in shorts. That's not that's not the case at all. We wanted to present ourselves as something more than pick up basketball players. We want to look like, you know, if people didn't know anything about Frisbee, we didn't want to go out onto a professional tennis tournament court in between matches and people looking at us and like saying, oh, they just look like, you know, who are these guys? They look like uh, pickup basketball players. Well, we're kind of short for that. But but, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? So we decided, you know, let's get some dance like uh, outfits and go out there and raise our presentation level so people notice and so that came first, and it was a great experience for us to go to Japan. Uh, we met Billie Jean King, uh, Tracy Austin, you know, the big names of the time. And from that point, we were starting to think big at that point, like, hey, is this something we're going to be doing in the future? Do we want to take, how far do we want to take it? Do we want to take it to Las Vegas, a Las Vegas type act? We got to look the part. And so that was really the the birth of that whole movement, I'd say, if you want to call it a movement, where you know, the presentation, um, starting to put music, starting to choreograph to the music. That was really, I believe, the starting point. We really, we really kicked it off, our trip to Japan. So interesting, because I never really thought about the look of an artist, you know, and that you guys said we're athletes, but we're also artists, and that part of that was the look. So not just so much the music, so that's just fascinating that that was kind of the seed and took you into the next steps of how do we incorporate other things about being an artist. That's really cool. Yeah, you know, that's that's another thing that I want to touch on because that was also in 1979, I went to Japan. That was also after two tours of going to Europe and doing shows in Sweden. And man, let me tell you, those those were some incredible, incredible uh, times doing tours in Europe with uh, Mikael uh, Yetra in Sweden and Per uh, Per Lindstrom. I mean, those are some sometimes they're just unbelievable. You know, now I, my mind is racing all over the place. But 
And, you know, one thing that we should talk, talk about is like the difference between tournament play and, and, you know, doing a show, it's very, very different. <laughs> you know, when you do a tour for like seven weeks, you know, you get into, I wouldn't say a rut, you get into a, a routine, which is, you know, hey, you look great and stuff like that, but it's not really tournament. It can be tournament play, but, you know, tournament, tournament is different than, than doing a show, although they both can be the same. Yeah, Jen's hit uh, a good uh, topic there. So basically, yeah, I just want to add to what Jen's was saying, uh, that we were doing basically touring around doing shows, and we were trying to fit in uh, our freestyle tournaments in, you know, to try to, to garner points to go to the uh, world championships and so forth and so that was a big difference of being uh, show ready you know for colleges and whatever shows we were doing and then tournament ready and we would come back to a tournament after maybe a couple months of doing shows and we'd be like oh my god this is new this is new this who's this who are these guys who's Corey Bazo and Evan David uh, who, who are these guys who are the Coloradicals and we we're like we were always playing even though we were sort of uh, players who who kind of made it, you know, like we were known, we would feel like we were having to play catch up. Well, what did we miss, you know? And it was a it was a crazy time to be in because even though you might have been at the top of your peers, you know, uh, with a couple world titles, if you missed a couple months and you came back, you were like, oh my god, look at this, look at that, and it was oh, you were always playing catch up with the sport. There was no YouTube back then. Yeah, yeah, right. It was like popcorn kernels. Boom, 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 boom. You know, new little wrinkles being done here and there. Uh, we were doing shows and uh, the freestyle circuit. And it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was an awesome time to be in, uh, to have that kind of lifestyle, you know. And in, on top of that, what we're sharing, the life lessons that we were learning going to these tournaments were just awesome. And the awesome people that... That we were meeting just i don't have to tell you guys i mean you know uh just meeting all the different peoples of uh from different countries i'm not even talking about our tours i'm talking about in the united states but the the swedish tours that we went on it was how, how do we even describe it when we went to our first tour and then we did it again uh the following year in 70 uh uh gents our first one was in 78 right right and then 79 junior center were the sponsors when we would go to these events uh whether it was at a football stadium or at a gymnasium or just go to the junior center store there was kids formed inside the store and the lines would go out the door and around for blocks just waiting to for us to sign autographs i mean we were treated the the swedish frisbee association johnny Kristoffersen and um uh, Mike Yatro and Per Lindstrom, that whole fan, Swedish family of Frisbee, we were tr when we were there, we were like rock stars. When we came out of hotels, people would flock to for us. It was, it was an experience that I wish every Frisbee player could experience. It, it's almost mind-boggling uh, to the stories that we, ha that we could tell uh, right. from those experiences. Hey, I just want to give a shout-out to David Bogenhagen for his donation to Frisbee Guru. It's nice to know that folks are valuing what we're doing. If you value what we're doing too, feel free to go to our website and donate. Now back to the V-Bros. 
Well, you know what's wild? That that must have influenced your competitive game. I mean, it's obviously it did. So one of my favorite routines of your guys's was the beat it routine. And I remember when I first saw that, it was you guys elevated it into a show that was really competitive. And so that must have been some marrying of that show experience and your competing. Could you talk a little bit about how that routine came about? And, and is that true? Go ahead, Jen. You want to take that? <laughs> You know, it's funny how um, Beat It, Erwin, that was 1983. In 1982, um, the WFC was, you know, wasn't in the Rose Bowl. It was at Rutgers because um, uh, Whammo was just sold to Kransko and somehow they messed up and didn't get Irvine. So they, they, they couldn't have the world championships in California and the executive vice president at Kransko was a Rutgers grad. And that's how that happened. Anyway, it was at Rutgers. And we had a choreographed routine to Earth, Wind, and Fire in, in that uh, tournament, which we won. And the following year, we wanted to, to get a new piece of music and a new routine. And we were also working with a uh, dance instructor in our town. I don't know how we came. I don't remember exactly how we came upon Beat It. Maybe you remember, Erwin, because I don't remember. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I, I actually, um, I, I knew the dance instructor through a friend of mine that I went to high school with, uh, who also was a dancer, uh, who I graduated with. And she turned me on to this dance instructor. And we were coming across, going over different songs that we, that we liked and energized us that was slow enough to the point where we could actually move. And those of you who, as you guys are, you know how to core, you guys really know how to put together a routine. So you know, you really, you, if you have a song that's really fast, I mean, how do, you, how do you even stay with that song? It's almost impossible. So you got to pick a song with good tempo. And we always tried to pick a song that we know that the crowd would get into. Because if you get the crowd into it, you feed off of each other. And that's one thing me and Jens, uh, Jens and I learned a long time ago. You have to get the crowd in because for us, that's how we first learned in Peru. That's how we first learned. So if the, the you get the crowd in, they're going to feed off. They're going to get you motivated. They're going to pump you up. And then you're going to pump them. And it's, you feed off each other. And anybody on stage knows you have to have an audience and you, ha and you feed off each other. And um, that's, how, that's, how we, that's how we went about our business in freestyle. Um, the, the beat it routine, we kind of... Uh, we liked Michael Jackson. He was the hottest thing in the 80s, especially 1980 to 1983. was off the wall and beat it and all that. So we liked him. He, he was a good pick. And we started choreographing to our beat it routine. We had um, dancers, leotards, um, one piece. And because uh, we, we wanted to bring artistry, you know, to the pre presentation. And uh, so we used that. It took a long time. And as anybody knows who tries to choreograph routine every beat for the whole thing it, it, it's a it's a huge task it's a huge task because you know you got to take into account the the how many seconds how many beats the throw is going to be what happens if it's not a perfect throw if there's wind you got to know where you're at you know in every cue of the music especially when jens and i were doing it you know we had costumes and we took our vests off and we were swinging around like noon chucks and Somebody had to jump over it, and we do backflip, and you know everything was timing, and so hence the um, the debate over presentation, over and flow, over 
Difficulty. You know, there is so much difficulty in putting together a highly choreographed routine. I can't even tell you. And I think that get, gets missed along the way. And I'm not a guru on the judging system or anything. I'm just saying you can't um, award enough of, of a routine that's highly choreographed to the music. Uh, and that incorporates yeah. all the players. You can't you can't reward enough uh, the teams that do that because it's really hard. The difficulty that comes into play choreograph routine with moves and co-ops and cued precisely to the music. You cannot reward a team enough for that because it's so hard to do. Well, I think once you start adding the music in, you start doing the choreography. You're putting more risk in in the execution. Part. So that's where execution ends up really kind of once you make that choice to go choreography, then you are making a choice to put execution as a much bigger factor if you don't. And I think that's what gets lost on yes, people yes. that it's that you're, you're adding execution as a much higher risk category when you make that choice. You're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. So when you guys put together that routine, did you start with the music or did you already have a bunch of moves together that you'd melded into the music? We had the music. We wanted to, um, you know, if you ever watch the Beat It routine, our routine kind of sort of followed the same kind of storyline, you know, somewhat of a in somewhat of a similar fashion. And that's what we were trying to do. We wanted to marry the routine um, with the story of, of the song. That was, that's how it turned out. You know, we picked the music. Now let's work on, you know, the routine to fit this music. Is that the way you remember it, Erwin? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what happened. What, what's funny, I just recalled now, we also had a, um, uh, what's the one where they're a vampire routine with Michael Jackson? Um, oh, yeah, we, we were working on the next routine with... Uh, uh, the Thriller? Oh, damn, thriller? what was it? Thriller. Yeah, there you go. Thriller, right, yeah. thriller, right. It was actually, it's, I think it was going to be an awesome routine. In fact, we almost had it done. And then we never used it. We never, ever used it. I mean, I had a cape. I had a cape on and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It sounds kind of cheesy, but it was awesome. It was an awesome routine, and we never got to use it. And uh, So wait, there's, an, there's, a, there's a Velasquez Brothers routine out there that never got a chance to come into the world? The thriller that's, routine? Yeah, that's The right. unknown thriller routine. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, a lost thriller routine that's like finding a beatles recording that no one's ever heard of before holy crap that's amazing i know i know that's crazy it's like wow there's a velasquez brothers routine out there that has never been seen i mean that that's just incredible yeah it's um, uh too bad that nobody ever got to see it because i bet you it was amazing I mean, yeah well maybe maybe we can we can urge them or encourage them to bring it to life somewhere maybe at next virginia states next year I could just see them all dressed up like zombies doing the makeup and the whole, yeah. the whole arm raise and the ah, thing just like they do in the thriller. <laughs> that would be so uh, yeah, that would be great. Well, that was a great conversation with them. And uh, we know there's a lot of folks who are buying Frisbee Guru t-shirts. We would love to have you send photos of you wearing them and showing your support and let us put you up on the guru wall of fame uh, on Frisbee Guru. So please uh, send us your photos. Give a shout out to you. Yes. And if you haven't seen it, go look at it because it's cool. There's some great photos up there. You guys will love it. All right, Jake. I will talk to you next time. Yep. Look forward to it. Bye, Randy. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. 
to contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, shooting the frisbees and live streaming freestyle frisbees.